Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 14. Uh, so this section is talking about, it starts talking about uh, the children. That's talking about the people God wants to save, okay? And this is all about Jesus and him becoming man. So uh, let's have a look. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, that's Jesus, too, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let me pray and ask for God's help to understand this. Dear Lord, thank you for these words, this truth in your Bible that you've, you wrote for us this afternoon, for us to read this afternoon. And we know that you want to speak to us. So Lord, help us to understand things that are difficult, but more than just comprehending, I pray that we would love this and it would change us, change our relationship with you and change how we live for your glory. Amen. Amen. I think some people like to make a song and dance over doing very simple things. Okay, they make an absolute meal of something that could be quite simple. And I just think, what a faff you're making. Okay, this happened to me quite a bit over Christmas with certain relatives of mine and uh, like extended relatives. And, you know, around the Christmas dinner, dining table, and all the cutlery's going out, and it's just like havoc. Red wine glasses, white wine glasses, but you want white wine, and, and it's like the shape of the wine glass really makes a difference anyway, and everyone's having a big fuss over that, and then that gravy goes in that jug, but that gravy can't go in that jug. And it just gets more and more complicated, and I just think, who cares about all this fat? Just make it a bit simple. You're making a meal of it. Now, yeah, pun <laughs> not intended, sorry. Um, now, when we think about what God has done in saving us, we, is God a little bit like that, just making things very, very complicated? Does he like long and complicated books, which, let's face it, parts of the Bible are really hard to understand, complicated things like the Trinity, thanks, that's hard to understand, and things like God becoming a human to rescue us? Now, this afternoon, I want us to think, think more about that last one, becoming a, God becoming a human in order to rescue us. Is it, isn't that just a bit complex and convoluted for God to have to do all that? I mean, he's God. He could surely just go, zap, there's salvation. He's God, right? He can just do that. Why do the whole becoming a human thing? Because it looks like it was really hard for God for, for God to become this small little baby, to become for Jesus to become this adult who, let's face it, had a tough life. Like the toughest life. People hated him. He got killed. Why all of that? Why all the complication? Well, this passage um, actually gives us a very simple answer to that very big question about why did God become human? Here's what it says. Because he had to. Why did God become human? Why do it this way? He had to become human. It's in verse 17. For this reason, 
he had to be made like them, humans. Fully human in every way. There it is. He had to do it that way. It wasn't melodrama. This is how it had to happen. It seems that a human mess on earth needed some kind of human solution, or rather a divine human solution together. It's strong, isn't it, saying it had to happen this way? Very strong. So we're going to think, okay, why then? Why did it have to happen this way? And let me say, Jesus saving us by becoming a human may feel a little bit overcomplicated, but it means that he is a way, 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 way better saviour than we maybe thought he was. It's amazing. Anyway, before we can understand why he became a human, we need to think a little bit more about what it means that the Son of God became a human being. What does that mean? Have a look at verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, became a human, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Okay, there's a lot there. We're going to get into it. So it's saying that there are the children, the people God's going to rescue. And the point is this. Since the people God wants to rescue are flesh and blood, he too had to share that flesh and blood. Since the people he's going to rescue are flesh and blood embodied humans, he too shared in that humanity. If God is going to rescue humans, he's going to have to become a human. He's going to have to take on the whole shebang of being a human. That's the point. I don't know if you have a certain point with the word shebang in it, but you do today. The whole shebang means the whole thing, everything. He had to take on the whole of being a human, the whole shebang. If you try Googling this, I don't know what they will say. Okay, that's what it means. The Son of God shared in all of our humanity, the whole thing. Now, you might not realise it, but that is crazy talk. That doesn't happen. A man can't become an ant. Even an ant man doesn't become an ant. He just becomes a really, really, really small human. And God is God, you know? He's the uncreated one. He's transcendent. So God becoming a human is like trying to capture the galaxy into a biscuit. The two are just of different orders. It's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that a baby. And before that a fetus inside a woman's body. If you want to get the hang of it, think how you'd like to become a slug or a crab. That's what, it, for the son of God to become a human. But here it is. It says he shared in our humanity. God Unseen, invisible, becomes a fetus, swimming around in all that fluid. <laughs> then born, I'm sure they go blub, blub, blub. No, they don't. Anyway, born, grows up, teenager, human, human body. But you know what? So much more than just a body. Jesus experienced the whole shebang, the whole of what it means to be a human. Mind, human emotions, hormones, will the whole human thing verse 17 tells us this it wasn't just skin and bones humanity verse 17 for this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way there it is in every way he became human what does it mean to be human being human is actually a very rich thing 
It's not just about standing upright and having eyes and nose and ears in certain places or whatever. Our humanity is so much more than that. We are body and soul. So for Jesus to become like us in every way means to take on a human body and soul. Okay, to help us understand this, let me introduce to you a couple of guys from the 4th century, which is what you do to understand complex things, okay, um, called Apollinarius and Gregory of Nazianzus. We're going to call them Apollo and Greg for short. Okay, and Apollo said this about Christ becoming a human. He said, what you've got in Christ is you've got a human body, but everything else in Jesus, that's all God, that's all divine. So the soul, the, the intellect, the will, the heart, that's all God's stuff, divine stuff in Jesus. So the Son of God is like, is like he's in a body suit. So you've got this body, Jesus, the body. And then the Son of God goes into the body and then gives it some pizzazz and life and feelings and all that kind of thing. That, that was his kind of view. Human body, flesh stuff divine everything else. That was Apollo, Apollinarius. But along came Greg. And Greg, probably in Latin, said, no, mate, that's not how it works. Hebrews 2, verse 17 says, he was made fully human in every way. And we're not just flesh, bones, and muscle, are we? Humans are so much more. So the Son of God must have a truly human body and truly human heart, mind, will. All the things that make us human. Jesus Christ has not only a divine nature, but also he's God. He has a human nature, fully human in every way. Living, breathing, thinking, feeling, the whole shebang of what it means to be a human. But without our flaws of sinning, without wrong. Why is this so important, said Greg? Because he said, you know what, our salvation hangs on this. He said, what God has not taken on to himself in Christ, he can't heal. What God hasn't taken on in the human nature, he can't rescue, he can't make better and fix. See, our problem that we have is a whole human problem. So it's going to take a whole human saviour. Our brokenness isn't just our bodies, though our Bodies aren't what they should be, right? It's everything else about us too. I also don't think like I should. I don't feel like I should. I don't love God how I was made to. I don't choose with my will to do what pleases God. That's all part of my humanity and that's all part of my brokenness. So I need a saviour who can fully address all of that. And Hebrews says... You need a saviour who's like you, fully human in every way. That's what you need to fix all your human problems. So Christ took on humanity. The whole shebang. Okay, but our question today is why did he do that? Why did he have to rescue us that way? Why did Christ have to take on the whole human shebang to rescue us? Here's the first thing. The two things we're going to see of why he did this. First. So he could get us. And by get, I mean understand us. So he could really get us. So he could really understand us. See, we long for someone who understands. We long for someone who knows what it's like to be in our skin. 
We long for someone who gets us. And we think, you know what? God is the last person who gets what it means to be me. If you had a scale of who gets you, like who doesn't, and who like really sympathises with you, people who go, yeah, been there, done that, God would be at the far end of that scale. Because he's the cosmic head teacher in the sky. He's the disinterested father who's maybe there, but he's just shrouded in this mystery. God is the last person who gets me, who makes me feel like I matter. When the Son of God became fully human in every way, he became the person we're all looking for, who really gets us. What we're looking for, though, we probably wouldn't put it this way, we're looking for a high priest. Before you didn't think of that. That's what we're looking for. Look at verse 17. Let's carry on with verse 17. He's fully human in every way. Here it is. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. So Jesus had to become fully human in every way in order that he might become this high priest person. So what's that about? Let's think about it. So a priest is a representative between people and God. And it's a kind of two-way thing. Okay, the high priest in Old Testament times was the top dog representative between God and people. That's what priests do, like a bridge between heaven and earth. So the priest would bring the people to God, but also bring God's blessings and mercy and teaching and guidance to the people. That's what the priest did, connected the two. And it was really, really important in the Old Testament that the priest, especially the high priest, had to be just like the people he was representing. He had to be an Israelite, really important, had to be from the right tribe. And so as an Israelite, he could represent the people to God because he was like one of them. And also he could speak minister faithfully to the people because he was one of them. So along comes Jesus Christ. And you might think, well, he's hardly your typical human, is he? He's the son of God, a bit distant. But he is the typical human. That's the point. He's like you in every way. But better than you and me he doesn't have our sinful heart so is this high priest he can sympathize with us he can help us this is what it says in verse 18 because jesus himself suffered when he was tempted he's able to help those who are being tempted because jesus suffered you know and he was tempted to pack it all in when he was faced with a whole city crying for his execution when he was innocent what would you have done? He could have walked away. Sorry, God, this is ridiculous. This is too much. But he stayed faithful through it all. So now we've got someone who gets us. Someone who can truly represent us to God. And did you see those two little words stuck next to him being a high priest in verse 17? He became a merciful and faithful high priest. And we think, you know what, God's the last person who knows what it is to be me, who knows what it's like to be human. He's the last person who can help me in my struggles. And this says, think again. He's merciful. He's merciful. Jesus says to us, are you tempted by sin? I've been there. Satan himself was before me trying to tempt me, but I resisted. 
Are you struggling with suffering, Jesus says? I've been there. They cried out for my blood when I'd done nothing wrong. I could have put them all straight, but I stuck to the plan and went to the cross. Have you been betrayed by people? Maybe your closest friends? Have you had people stab you in the back and plot how they can make life difficult for you? Have you had your own family completely misunderstand you and reject you? Have you ever wept over the death of one of your closest friends? Have you been ill? Experienced physical pain? Me too, says Jesus. Have you been so emotionally broken you felt like you were going to die? Me too, says Jesus. Do you have people mocking you, calling you nuts for what you say about God? Me too. I've been there, he says. And and I'm the son of God, which means I'm in the best place to help you. (coughs) Divine power and full human experience. What a combination. I'll stick by you. I'm faithful. I'll walk you through this, he says. See, we might think that God is the last person who gets us, but when we see that the Son himself has become like us in every way, we've got a friend, we've got a priest like no one else. That divine power and grace is now united to a vivid human experience and sympathy in Jesus. So whatever 2019 holds, and whatever 2018 threw at you, Don't think for a moment God doesn't understand and that he is beyond helping you. Every bit of our human pain, trials and temptations matter to him because he's experienced it and he's overcome it in Jesus' life. He he gets us. That's why he had to become human. So he could help us like that. That's the first thing gets us. Second, he had to become a human, the whole shebang, so he could free us. Okay, this is back up in verse 14. There we get another reason why Jesus had to take on full human body, shebang, everything. All right, verse 14 again, let's have a look. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Here's why. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. This basically says, very simply, Jesus became like us so that he could die for us. He became like us so he could die for us. He had to share in our humanity so that he could die for humanity. Because being a human... Being a human is awesome in many ways. With our flesh and blood bodies, we experience thrilling, exciting, beauty, love, joy, laughter. We experience all of that. But being a human is awful too, isn't it? And we experience all of that with every bit of our being. And there's no escaping the one thing that is the rotten core of the human experience. Death. Here it talks about our fear of death. And we can be all kind of bravado. Well, I'm not afraid of dying. It's not that we all go around with this kind of constant crisis of, I might die any moment, though some of us do. But we don't like death. We don't want to die. We don't want people who we love to die. And some of us here actually don't need any convincing about this whole fear of death idea. 
Death has actually come very close to us, maybe in this last year, to our families, to our friends, even to ourselves. It's this dark inevitability for all of us. And this says, you know what? God became a human to finish death. Because we live dancing to the tune of the devil. Have you noticed the link there between the devil and death? It might break um, the, the, the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. See, we live the way the devil would have us live. Sounds kind of weird. I live how the devil wants? That's odd. It's not that weird, actually. It's very familiar. See if this rings any bells. It means acting as if God doesn't exist. That's what the devil does. It means living as if God can't be trusted. That's what he definitely does. It means doing whatever we want. That's definitely what the devil does. It means saying that we have the first and last word on what it means to be a human. And we live in this world. Sounds a lot like me, actually, the way I live. And when we live the devil's way, with this freezing God out of everything, the punishment that comes our way from God is death. And so death is like this chain that we've got around our legs that just, we drag through life and we, as much as we want to kind of shake death, we just can't get rid of it. We fear it. We know it's there. We know it's coming. We know there's nothing we can do. Oh, but God wants to do something. He wants to set us free from the fear of death. So he's got to become human. There it is again. He's, and, and the human that Jesus becomes isn't a kind of bubble-wrapped Jesus. You know, he could have gone into a nice little place and bubble-wrapped Jesus, go through life, go through life. Oh, I've lived a human life. That's not, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus looked with those human eyes and he stared death in the face. With a human body, the Son of God, well, now he could die a human death. He couldn't, he couldn't do that before. God can't die in that way. But taking on a human nature, he could taste death. And his death does something that our death doesn't do. It breaks the power of death. Frees us from slavery to fear of death. No human body, no human death for us. He had to become a human. Okay, but let's bring this up. How does Jesus' death set us free from the fear of death? We've got to scoot down to verse 17 again, okay? He became fully human in every way so that he could be our high priest. Let's keep reading. And, verse 17, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Human, so he could make atonement. So we go back to our high priest in the Old Testament kind of thing. He had a job. One of his jobs was to make sacrifices. He would take flesh and blood, not humans, that would be weird. He would take flesh and blood goats, sheep and bulls and stuff, and they would die in the place of the people of Israel. Okay? So God's Old Testament people are in the same problem that we, we have. They've acted like God doesn't matter, but when they made a sacrifice, that animal was killed instead of them. Death on the animal instead of them. Atonement. God's anger completely taken away. And forgiveness and love comes their way. That's atonement. But God had a plan for a bigger, better, once-for-all solution. A flesh and blood, actually it's not weird, a flesh and blood human who would face death instead of the people. And so that's why the Son of God had to become human. Flesh and blood human to die, to die in our place. 
He became the priest, but not just the priest. He became the sacrifice that the priest makes. He became the atoning sacrifice when he died. And some of us have heard this a lot before. Some of us will have heard this for the first time. But this means that Jesus is our substitute. Don't get too familiar with that idea. Jesus was like for like, human for human, body for body, human soul for human soul. The whole human shebang died instead of us in our place. And so he made atonement for the sins of the people. That means God's punishment fell on Jesus instead of you and me. On a true human. And so we can be forgiven and accepted. Okay, let's link this back up to verse 15. What's the link between atonement and being set free from the fear of death? Because they seem to be linked somehow. How does atonement mean we don't need to be afraid of death anymore? Well, I was chatting to a Muslim uh, friend who came to our carol service the other day. We were chatting after the service, asking questions about Christianity, we were discussing things. And I really loved being able to say to him, with no sense of hyperbole at all, I'm not afraid of dying, I said to him. I said, I know that if I die tonight, God is going to welcome me right in. And he said, well, when I die, don't know what's going to happen. He's still a slave to the fear of death. It's a scary thing for him. And he's right to be afraid because he doesn't have atonement. He doesn't have a like-for-like, human-for-human substitute that secures acceptance by God. Oh, but if he would trust in Jesus, and if we would trust in Jesus, if we would just put all our hope on this Jesus who died our human death for us, we could have the fear of death taken away. We'd be able to say this with a kind of steely confidence. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of meeting God because I know I'm forgiven by him. I know the punishment fell on human Jesus instead of me. I can't wait to see God. My Muslim friend, you see, would say that God was merciful in a general kind of way. Maybe merciful. Why settle for maybe merciful? God's not settled for that. He's given us exactly the kind of saviour we need to guarantee our forgiveness and open the way to heaven, to God. Yeah, but how can I know that Jesus' death can be in my place? How do I know it really works, can work for me? Because having Jesus die instead of me feels a bit risky. What if that didn't work? What if it's a, like a bad stunt double? Yeah, you know, you're watching a film. There's like an action sequence. George Clooney, whatever, he's doing something. And, and he, then they have a fight. And then you get uh, the stunt double. And you're like, that's a stunt double. But he's like shrunk a bit. He's tanned up. And there's a wig. And you can see. And you think, what if God then looks at Jesus and goes... Well, I can see you're not really them dying in their place. You're, you're not really a human. You're actually the son of God. Uh, you're, you're, you look like you're kind of pretending to be a human, pretending to die in my place. Maybe, maybe that means it won't work for me. Look at verse 17 again. No, he had to be made like them. Like them. Like who? Like you. He had to be fully made like you. In every way. Jesus doesn't work as a substitute for some people, but not 
you. He's not like you enough. He shares in your humanity. He is fully qualified to be your fully human, like-for-like substitute. Do you know that? See, I wonder if we bought into an idea of a God who's maybe merciful. Oh, we know he's kind of merciful, but he likes to forgive and accept. But, but maybe, there's no maybe, there's no maybe here. There's only maybe if somehow Jesus isn't really up to the job. If somehow he's just a really unconvincing stunt double on the cross. There's only maybe if his humanity isn't real and full. But Hebrews says, it's the whole shebang. It had to be so that he could really legitimately die in your place. And if you know Jesus has done that for you, then dying isn't something to be afraid of. One preacher put it like this. Jesus has turned the tomb into a bed and dying into just waking up. He's turned the tomb into a bed and dying just becomes waking up. As we finish, take a moment to think back over your human year of 2018. Think about the highs and the lows. Think about the ways in which you've been tempted to sin and the ways we've given in. See, our human 2018 and our human 2019 are flawed. They just are. And the year ahead will hold temptation. It'll hold suffering, failure in different ways, as well as successes. It'll hold things which we're afraid of. It'll hold even death, whether it's just death on the news or even death much closer to home. What is it you fear about the year ahead? How are you going to deal with the regrets of last year? How will we deal with the fear of what might be around the corner this year? Just hope this year will be better? Rubbish. That's a rubbish idea, just thinking it might get better. How about this? Jesus Christ, who had to be made like you, fully human in every way. That's the hope for this new year. He's the help we need. See, Jesus, fully God, becoming fully human, isn't just a complicated conundrum to make us go, oh, isn't that complicated? It's the perfect rescue. It's everything we need. So as you look back and you think about those failures, no matter how bad they are, turn and put your hope in the perfect human who really died in your, your, your place. He's not a dodgy stunt double. It's the real deal. Do that and you know you can be forgiven and as you look forward will you bring your fears your fear of failing your fear of temptation your fear of suffering your fear of death itself and will you bring it to jesus and ask him to set you free from that fear because he's the one who's walked before you he's the one who suffered resisted forgiven and risen from the dead that's why he had to be made like us it's the perfect savior so let's pray and give thanks to him that he's done this for us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your love that you were willing, Lord God, to do what it took to rescue us. This was more costly to you than we can imagine. 
it's almost unheard of in the world to think of God dying for us, that you would serve us, you'd do something so huge for us, so sacrificial for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for truly embracing our humanity. Thank you that you didn't fake it, you didn't do a half job, you really became like us. Thank you that you get us right now. And I pray for us in whatever we're going through to know your help, to resist temptation, to endure suffering, and to keep going just like you did. We praise you that we don't need to be afraid of death. And I pray for us, please, to know that confidence and that hope. Don't need to be afraid. We know how the story's going to end. We know that we're going to be with you, completely forgiven and accepted. So we pray that this year will be filled, not with an easy ride, because we know that's not life, but filled with Jesus walking beside us, even as he's already walked ahead of us. In his name, amen.